studs and my guest this week is jerry moriarty uh jerry was last on the show uh back in 2009 for the um winter ventura edition of jack survives uh collection of the jack survives paintings and comics which uh folks might remember the comics from the uh raw magazine from the from the the great run from the 80s um and we had a really great conversation back in 2009 and then after that, I visited Jerry a couple of times in New York, and again, we had great conversations um, talking about art, life, paintings. Jerry showed me his giant canvases and other stuff. And one of the things that you'd shown me, um, segue into actually conversating, uh, was a preliminary on a book you were working on, or I think you had done like a piece within itself, uh, What's a Paintoonist? 
um, which will be out right. from Fanagraphics uh, this month or next month, very soon. Um, thanks for joining me today, Jerry. Oh, I'm glad to be here, Robin. Totally. Um, now, I was saying you'd shown me, uh, I think you showed me like a little like uh, portfolio thing, um, like a mock-up of what's a paint tunist. At that point, do you remember right. that? Oh, yeah. Uh, I mean, I had started that for Pantheon oh, okay. originally. And, the, I mean, Art Spiegelman got, you know, the, them interested in, in you know, doing a book. And um, I had already initiated that name, Paint Tunis, because I had a show at SVA in the museum there. And I called myself a Paint Tunist in it. And they they liked that name. So, they you know, that was the name of the of the show and um I, I kept it because i you know i it was just something i threw out there relating to the fact that i used heavy black and white and stuff and i used a lot of white to get rid of things like a painter would do in a painting because that's what i was doing mostly at the time and so i just said paint tunist i could have said illus ainter you know, that would have been another name, which I've used since then. But a paint tunis made more sense. And so that was uh, the initiating of the name. And then after that show, uh, something about shows that, or or books being published that completely sever me from the previous things I've done. It's kind of like it's concluded now. Now I'll go to another thing. And that's what happened, that... that Paint Tunis, that show, um, was of things that didn't relate to the the later things, the Paint Tunis things, which I do put the name on. Um, they were like old paintings and and adventure pictures and things like that that I'd done in the mostly the 80s and 90s because this show was in 1999. It sounds like an epic time for a show. 1999, right? <laughs> And so I, I was I was caught with a 1999 show, last show of the 20th century, right? <laughs> well, not that they had. It was the beginning of the year, I think it was in it was in March of 1999. The show, mm-hmm. and so there was other shows after that by you know other people there. But you know it, it was I I don't have many shows. I mean, and I had to talk the uh, the the founder of the school, Silas Rhodes into, uh, he, he fell for it right away. Cause I did a poster for the school that was in the subways and stuff. And, and I've been doing them for him and other people have too. I mean, we're all, we're faculty members. And, um, when I brought it in, he liked it so much that I thought this is the time I got to ask him. So I asked him, I said, uh, Silas, uh, do you think I could have a show in the museum? He says, well, sure, you know. And he got on the phone, of course, and he's the boss. So he says, you know, uh, book this show. And there were always shows booked. Uh, so it was at, had to wait a couple of years, three years, I think, mm-hmm. before a show could go up. So, I mean, it was, it was, uh, it was good to have that because I, I knew, you know, I, I just like to see things on a wall. And I had a lot of big paintings. I especially like to see things published, though. I mean, I got to tell you, that's my favorite form 
Um, and that's why it's so great to have had that original Raw book and then Alvin's Bonaventura's book, uh, follow up on that. That that gives me a sense of completion. Mm-hmm. You know, nothing's for sale. The book is for sale. That's the art that I did to be in a book and that kind of thing. Where I was doing art for walls uh, because I was this so-called painter in my head. Wanted to be, want to be a painter and, and painting. So I must have been a painter. But, you know, without showing, I, I was a kind of like make-believe painter in my head. Uh, even though I took it seriously. But when I started doing the Jack stuff back in the early 80s, late late 70s, I thought that was just like a temporary thing. That I was just going to be doing it, you know, because I loved comics. I was collecting them. I was finding really wacky old comics and things and loving them to death, you know, in a serious way, not just because it was, you know, like pop culture stuff, you know. I was liking them. And they affected me. So I started doing the Jack stuff, thinking, well, you know, this is just a trip to the, you know, I got this National Endowment grant. And so that kind of ended the things I'd been doing up to then, just like a show would do it, you know, just end me and I go to another thing. So that's what happened is that, okay, I just got that grant. I went up, got a house in the country for a while, I mean, near New York, so I could go back and forth and got a car even, you know, and that stuff. And, um, started doing the, the Jack thing and thinking, well, you know, this is just kind of in between stuff and I'll get back to my so-called serious stuff. And I never got back to my so-called serious stuff. And it was the first original, st- I was in my forties. It was my first original stuff, really. The Jack, I mean, I'm not, you know, I'm not dumping on my Jack stuff. I'm saying it's, it's the first original stuff I had done, even though I was, you know, looking at it from, a perspective of you know it's comics and even though i love comics i thought hey i'm, I'm a painter you know yeah. capital p <laughs> so i mean so, such a you know because i wanted to be my own hero you know and that to me was being a hero you know being a painter to be a cartoonist was not my hero thing <laughs> in my head you know yeah now i now i realize that's where i really started working that's my original stuff. I mean, that's so. I'm not like dumping on it for no means at all. I'm dumping on my stupid. Uh, well, I'm glad I was playing the painter game because I, you know, I, I did explore stuff. Uh, but next to my my comic stuff, and even my illustration got better because of Jack. Mm-hmm. I mean, I started doing the school posters, and they and they were much better because of of my taking that that weight off myself, but I still brought the t- the painter's temperament, meaning I want to be able to change it when I want to change it. I want to use the white acrylic on the black ink and get rid of this section and leave the ghost of the other thing there, that kind of business, you know, which is all something I would do as a painter. So, so that's what, what led into the uh, attitude, but I did like the idea of showing them, you know, the so-called big paintings well, not so-called, they are big, uh, on the wall, there's no other way you can look at them, you know? Yeah. I mean, you got to put them on a wall. Well, so then. when I got back to, to that, uh, uh, after the uh, 1999 show, I decided I want to do something really different than before. And 
it turns out that the year 2000 was uh, the 50th anniversary, no, uh, the 60th anniversary of uh, 2002, 60th anniversary of my puberty. And <laughs> so I decided I wanted to do my memory of being uh, 12 years old in 1950. Yeah. And then it dawned on me that I already done that as a as a twelve year old in 1950. <laughs> then I thought, what would it be like if I was a girl in 1950? And and I thought of my sister, you know, who was four years older than me, my sister Pat. And then it, then it, I thought, well, no, I can't. It's just like my father, uh, Jack, is a mixture of me and my father. It's certainly not my father entirely. I mean, it's, there's a whole bunch of things that are different between us, but I, I use his image. Um, I hope I didn't, you know, make him look like a fool. But you know, that that was that was the, my entree into the character. Mm-hmm. And so, so Sally, which became my my puberty version of my sister Pat. Um, has nothing to do with her at all, except she was innocent and, and, you know, just a sweet, loving, I mean, I just loved her to pieces. She's my favorite sibling. And, um, and we got along really well. And so, I, so I loved using her image in, in my head anyway, what it looked, what she looked like mm-hmm. as, as Sally. And that's the, uh, what's a paint tunist character. Um, but she's in it too in that book as herself, my sister, Pat, Mm -hmm. and my father as Jack is not in it, but my father as my father is. And my mother as my mother, I've never made a character out of my mother, you know? Mm -hmm. So, so that's where the, what's a paint tunist uh, began as, as the, when I was 12 and, and seeing the woman that ran the, or uh, the daughter of the people that ran the uh, store at the end of my street here in Binghamton, uh, it had big boobs, and she just put them on the counter. <laughs> you know, when, when I was a paper boy, you know, I would be fascinated at the age of 12. Oh, my God, why is that interesting? Why am I liking Sheena of the Jungle more than, you know, Superman now? What, what is going on with me? You know? The confusion. Yeah, I mean, it was because it was, it, there was no Playboy. There was no, the closest thing to anything you know, that was girly magazine would be Esquire, you know, and I was kind of sophisticated. Um, this is before any of that stuff. And so I was on my own <laughs> to figure what the hell is going on, you know. That was America in 1950. So so that was, that's what I did. I, I used that character as a way to, Commemorialize my my puberty, uh, and I even told my sister on the phone. I said, "I'm going to do a series called Patty's Puberty," and she said, "Oh, Jerry!" You know, <laughs> and I realized, "Don't do that." No. <laughs> and she was right, of course. And so I thought, "What? How about Sally?" And I didn't have any pre preconceived notion of, of Sally, any Sallys. I must have met them in my life, but I don't remember them in any way. So this was a completely fresh surface to work with, you know? Mm-hmm. And so Sally became the name. And, and I like the alliteration of Sally's Surprise, because that was what I titled it. Like, Jack Survives, and this is Sally's Surprise. And then finally becoming um, What's a Paintoonist. Mm-hmm. So, 
so that's that's where it came from. That's the short answer. <laughs> now, one of the things you're we're talking you're talking about is the the comic influences of on Jack Survives, and I remember you telling me about um, really like it being get like gag based. Um, Chris Ware in his um, intro talks about the influence of Bush Miller on it, um, mm-hmm. and uh, what's a paint tunis is it, it feels very serious where Jack survives. Um, it's a loving book, uh, but also mm-hmm. it's, it's funny. It's surreal. It's, it's, it's got beats where with what's a paint tunis, you really um, pour yourself out into the paintings in a different way. Um, right. Do you know what I'm saying? With that? Yeah. Like it's... Uh, well, uh, it, it's very, there's a very particular reason for that is uh, first of all, once I decided I was going to be this character that's female, you know, um, I had to find the less male me, uh, which the less male me doesn't mean there's any female me. There's a less male me. There's a male me and there's a less male me. And there's probably a more male me, which I <clears throat> don't meet very often. But nonetheless, um, uh, so what's the less male me? Well, I decided all these kind of sexist things in my own my own, I, I reveal my sexism, I guess, um, by saying, okay, the colors will be more uh, transparent, they'll be more watery, they'll be brighter, there'll be uh, not so many, sh- in fact, no shadows, uh, no darkness, um, no heaviness. Mm-hmm. And that's that was a whole big turnaround against what I was doing, you know, in my art, uh, in my even in Jack, I mean, he's a, He's a, he's a, he's a little dark, but uh, he's not. I mean, the weight of the of the brush and all that other stuff. I, I mean, in that manner. So, so that's that's what what first happened was okay. How do I turn my acrylics into a water? Well, I just started mixing them with water, a lot of water, and um, and and I was kind of I don't know what I'm doing, feeling you know, which is a good feeling in a. You know, it's a bad feeling in a good way. Let's put it that way, because mm-hmm. uh, I'm being challenged by myself. It's all there, but it, I have not gone through the layers of, you know, built-up um, ideas of of my hero painter notions. Um, so I'm going to this this more unexplored area of me. It's been there all along, of course. Like the less male me has been there all along. But something, especially from the 50s, you know, I'm from the beatnik days, you know, I'm from the uh, guys, and I was a tough kid, too. I mean, I, I was definitely beaten up by the kids um, uh, that, that bugged me. I, I wasn't like a bully. Yeah. I would beat up the bullies, you know. Um, in most cases, I won uh, just because I was mirroring what, what would Roy Rogers do now, you know. <laughs> It was, you know, like heroes I had had from, you know, B B movie serials and stuff. You know, like so we're talking about another generation's view of what being a man is, and um, or whatever. Cool. Also, you know, James Dean. That whole scene was my generation. Yeah. And so that's so male laden. You know, it is. Uh, and and artists, the poor women artists of that period. Uh, were overlooked or, or, you know, it was all given to the Jackson Pollocks and the de Koonings and, 
and all the other very male artists. Um, and of course, they got they got recognized eventually, but it really took way too long. But nonetheless, um, I I was from that time and am from that time, and I have to fight through to find the less male me. Uh, and that's what I was doing, you know, with the What's a Paint Tunis series um, that I'm still doing now to some degree. Though I'm kind of shifting back again to some aspect because I think I can I can have a good experience with both of them functioning together, you know. Um, but anyway, the Paint Tunis uh, idea of that, that book um, had been started because of um, of that finding the, the female character in my sister, but then elaborating on it to become this other character um, that is me uh, as the less male me. Mm-hmm. And whatever that means to anyone today, I don't know. But, you know, I know from my generation, let's say, you know. Does it sound confusing to you? No, I think I'm, crass, I'm grasping onto it. It's, it's definitely like... Um... A kind of you have different expectations for yourself and 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 what you're doing uh, with your work. Where if you kind of follow that standard, you know, 1950s, 1960s um, art trajectory of, you know, as you said, like the fast car driving Jackson Pollock, and you know, making these heavy marks and these dark marks. Um, right. Where with this, you're not doing the heavy marks. In fact, you're. Uh, your black and white stuff within um, this book is predominantly just straight up line work where a lot of the Jack pages, mm-hmm. as you said, you're doing comic strips by painting with the white and the layers where this it's, it's base. It's very stark and minimal and the paintings mm-hmm. are a lot warmer, um, right. a lot brighter as well. Yeah. yeah. I, and I'm, you know, and flatter, mm-hmm. no shadows. I mean that's that's a kind of mental rule in my head. I, I say, no shadows. Do not give anything a shadow, um, and that that kind of took a whole big bunch of my armor or my my not my armor my my weapons away. Yeah, the shadows are always like you know profound and and add the drama and it's almost no reason to read it. You know, it's like, <laughs> what is this thing? Is like something out of Fleer's Double Bubble Gum or what? You know. It's, is Joe Bazooka? What is this? You know, <laughs> yeah. and I'm okay with that. You know, because because I feel the same way. I look and say, Jesus, is this any good? <laughs> I mean, not that I don't ask that before, but even when I'm done, I'm saying, I don't know. <laughs> you know, <laughs> and that's fine. I mean, eventually I come around to to seeing it because when I do, I have these like acetate um, uh, pages. You know, you see my my. Uh, 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 Toya books that that I I could put the uh, eighteen by twenty four inch uh, drawings and 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 even the paintings which are done on paper in there you know mm-hmm. and I I can turn the pages like they're books you know and they are it's like forty eight pages um, and I have a bunch of those where I put my finished work in and I can look through a period of time and then see these really dark and moody and significant looking pictures even in the comic version days uh and then all of a sudden i'll turn a page and boom i'm into the last 10 years and whoa it's a whole other world and i'm i'm just thankful for that 
that there is another world in me there, you know? Yeah. That that I'm not phony about. I'm not, there's nothing, I'm not influenced by anybody that, that, you know, there's, there's no, I, I guess I like Matisse better than I used to, mm-hmm. you know? Um, and I'm, I'm kind of relating to some of them. I'm, I'm still uh, very much involved with, with Balthus and certain other people that are from the old days, but, uh, uh, some of the ones I didn't like as much as I found I liked later um, only came because of me finding out this is not that easy to do, and it's very deep in its own way. Mm-hmm. So, I, I you think know, it's almost like your first book, as much as it's funny, um, your second book kind of goes towards the heart wrenching. Like, there's so many points within the book where it just you, I kind of stop for a second. Um, and just kind of have to I'm take glad. in the emotions. Well, I'm glad. I, you know, I, it's the, the funny part of it is the awkwardness of them, um, and then me defining them as like you know the dead Moriarty's and that kind of stuff. You know, uh, which is not lying about them. It's sort of like, well, they're dead, and their name is Moriarty, so they're the dead Moriarty's. Which <laughs> is my mom, my dad, and my sister. You know, so. Uh, uh, it took a little bit to put that down originally. I mean, I think the Moriarty's of my family are appreciative of it, uh, but they haven't seen it yet, but nonetheless, I don't care. Um, <laughs> I mean, it's my world, and so yeah. there you go. You see- um, but, but, but the idea is, is that th- there's, there's little things aside. There's like gentle moments there. I mean, there's, there's nothing harsh. And and you're you're pulling for him. Um, I feel. I mean, I'm yeah. pulling for him, and I'm feeling that the Sally character is well, like one of the one of the complete things. I interesting things is that my brother-in-law, who's married to my sister, um, I I did that one with um, Sally sitting on on the skylight. You know, she's outside sitting on the skylight, and my mom is sweeping the roof. Um, my my roof in New York, um, and she's sitting on the skylight. Now my sister was terrified of heights. I mean, she couldn't walk on on a glass floor, for example. You could see if you could see down, or that kind of thing. You know what I mean? Like things that or or, or climb ladders or or stairs that weren't regular stairs. This, these would so my my. My brother-in-law was just started to crack up. He said, "I know for sure this is not Pat." You know, <laughs> this, this is, and inside, I'd, I'd say that without even realizing how profound that she had vertigo. Uh, I mean, just on the daily thing of that—not vertigo, like you know, getting dizzy, um, but afraid to do it. Um, so, so I like the differences there. And of course, I don't. I don't. I'm not a fan of heights but i'm not afraid of them in any way yeah you know just normal i think you know kind of well, attitude I mean, about them you had such an amazing unique place um for folks that don't know uh you lived mm-hmm. like in this loft in uh tin pan alley in the middle of manhattan but as central manhattan as you can imagine um, yeah six blocks from the empire state building and um 28th street you lived there for 50 years, 49 years? 50. 50. Yep, from 1965. 
I guess 49 would be better. Yeah. Cause by, by 2014, I was, I was here. Yeah. Um, but from 1965 to 2014, yeah, 49 would be the right number. I like to say 50 cause 49 just sounds, <laughs> we'll see, you know, 50, well, you know, <laughs> you know what? We'll say 50 uh, and uh, people can just go with it. <laughs> I make the claim, you know, I think on on that one scene with me talking to Sally on, on the roof uh, at the fire escape, I say, uh, oh, no, some inside. Yeah, I say something about living in two different houses, one the law for 50 years. And maybe I said 49 there. I'm, I'm already into the next book, so I, I'm, I'm beginning <laughs> to forget stuff, you know. But anyway, um, that 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 whole that whole book had a, a sense of, and also the page by page. There's no there's no um, um, panel sequences. Of, these are like full page, single page things mm-hmm. in the, what's a what's a paintoonist? Because I'm because I'm I'm kind of like I don't need the panels anymore as as a way to deal with time and movement. You know. I'm not so obsessed with, you know, like microseconds between this moment and this next moment. It's about living that one moment. Yeah, well, it's about there's a sequence, but the sequence is is single page to single page. And that's a different um, tempo, I think. Mm -hmm. Uh, I don't know exactly what that that would equate to. Uh, I think it's more like slowing... it's like a movie slowed down very much, you know. Um, I still think movies and comics. I, I still think storytelling. Uh, probably the biggest thing that connects those two things to 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 com- to, to me is storytelling. And if I find another way to tell a story, in in multiple pages then I will go there. And that's what happened in this case. It didn't have to be panels as multiple pages. It could be page to page to page. Hopefully that strain lasts long enough so when you turn the next page, you're still going through the same journey, you know? Yeah. Did you feel so? Um, Yeah. No, I felt it it was very sequential in the way that, like, it's experiential and you kind of go through different parts of the experience because you have the minimal line, black and white, uh, and then you have the color, and just kind of the way they bounce off and kind of give the experiences different different ideas. Yeah, the, the, yeah well, I'm glad because I'm, I'm, I'm trying to do that. I'm also accepting my scribbler self, you know? Um, yeah. the, 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 you know, the single page, the ones with the, which was done literally with a flare pen. I, ne- I didn't do them uh, the single page black and white things with with brush and ink or pen and ink. Um, I did them with just a flare pen, you know, Playmate or what do they call that? Vic pen. Flare. It's called Playmate or Play. Yeah, a little like a like brand. a ballpoint pen. Yeah, well, it's not a ballpoint. It's a, it's got a little. It's a felt tip. Oh, okay. Flare. It's a felt tip. Um, it's not. What's it called? It's a, I thought it was Playmate or something like that. Uh, it's it's a brand that you know probably has ballpoint pens too, okay. um, and it's called Flair F L A I R, uh, and it's a uh, you know different becoming medium fine and broad I guess of uh, the felt tip, which is out comes to a point you know, 
Mm-hmm. And that's what I, I do. I do sketches, and then I would trace them. And that would be so simplified. And I would say, God, that figure looks so bad. In the old days, I'd be busting my hump to straighten out that figure. I mean, dare I show how badly I draw? You know, that's another one of those male, more male things, you know. Look at this. I can draw like a like a demon, you know. Meanwhile, I'm drawing all kinds of other things to, to get to that point, right? Yeah. And then I trace it. <laughs> now, one well, thing I, well, I, want, I wanted to make mention, because we talked about you lived in the in the New York loft, um, but the the important part to that is now you live in your childhood home in Binghamton, right. New York. Um, right. And there's a certain, like, cycle to all of this, and... I'm wondering about working in this book, looking at your family. Um, I remember seeing the, these in the times that I visited you, some of this work. Um, mm-hmm. Did you kind of have an intention while working on this book, or did you kind of know that you'd be returning home? I No, I had no clue. I mean, everything just happened at the last minute. I got, as I said in the book, I got fired my job at SVA, I got, uh, you know, because they don't want old people around uh, or old people unknown. <laughs> That's just better put, right? <laughs> so, unknown old people is like a burden. Um, yeah. So so that's part of that, I'm sure. Well, there's more reasons, but, you know, it's not like – I'm actually proud of it. You know, I'm glad I got fired at a job I had for 50 years. <laughs> oh, boy, I must have been doing a bad job. You could better fire that guy. Oh, yeah, 50 years later, he's gone, you know. Yeah. And that, and then they sold the building, uh, you know, my to to somebody who wanted to buy out because they sold it with tenants in it, and like I didn't own my loft. I mean, I paid rent, and when they sold the building, the, the, the new owners had to. If anybody, I was the first to go. I mean, I left on my own. I mean, all these things were coming together, um, and so I. Uh, I went for it, you know, and got a big bunch of money more than I ever got in my life, um, just just to leave, you know. Uh, so, so that happened the same time as losing a job, uh, lost a place to live in. So there's two things that are are were important in my mind. And I always reminded myself that in New York City, if I lost the place I was living in all these years and my job, there's absolutely no reason for me to be there because I wasn't taking advantage of of anything in New York outside of, I mean, art advantage. I was taking advantage in like music and things like that. But, you know, and one of the crazy things is that when I got here and found out that I'm really not a Binghamton guy, I'm a New Yorker, um, I, I, I finally realized how profound that was because I'd assumed I was a guy from a small town upstate and that kept me real, you know? Yeah. I was a real guy. I wasn't a New Yorker guy. I wasn't like, you know, hanging out at whatever place that was hip at the time, you know, and, and I wasn't going to be at fancy openings and, and shit like that. Though I did go to the galleries and museums every once in a while, not much, but often enough. I did take advantage of what I wanted from the city, and it wasn't, you know, the um, uh, cosmopolitan stuff yeah. necessarily. I, not at all, in fact. You know, so so coming here, I thought, well, I'm you know, I'm gonna build melt, just melt right into it. No way, yeah. no way. I am not a Bimtonian, as they call them, <laughs> <laughs> which I think is a good nasty name for people. <laughs> <laughs> You're a Bimtonian. <laughs> 
And there's a, there's a college here, you know, which is a very highly rated liberal arts school um, called Binghamton University, which has got people from New York coming there all the time, people teaching. And, and uh, Art Spiegelman went there. He was a graduate of it, finally. Oh, well, he okay. didn't. He actually left it. And, but he got a, you know, uh, a degree from him, uh, you know, gave a talk and everything, uh, I think in 25 or something like that. Um, in any event, um, so it's not like, you know, it just isn't the place I remembered from the, even though every house on my street here were, was every single house looks exactly like it did when I was here. Cause then all of them are, are just all here in my house is exactly the same, except instead of having pink shingles on it, it's got brown shingles. They painted them because the pink got very dirty looking and stuff. That was my mom's choice. Pink shingles. Uh, he's great. I mean, I, every once in a while I'll find a shingle that wasn't painted. You know, it was just in the attic. Yeah. Oh, God, that's such a beautiful thing. And I'm so glad I had that, you know. But other than that, the house itself, um, I, was, I was expecting to have like a John Boy experience, you know, like on the Waltons, you know. I'd, I'd be in bed and they say, good night, Bob. Give my mom. Give my pad. You know, <laughs> We never had one of those experiences as a kid, um, but it was like from the the old TV show called The Waltons. Good night, John Boy. You know, good night. And it was like a happy family in the in a small town. In any event, um, absolutely no ghosts here. Yeah, everything I remembered, it's pretty true. I mean, the size of the stairs is uh, bigger than I remembered them uh, physically. Uh, you know from step to step, going down into the cellar, uh, that thing uh, was the only adjustment I had to say, okay, I better change that part. Not on my originals, because I won't touch them. Whatever I did back in the days, days what it is. But the memory of, of being in this house at that time, far more powerful than any, just one memory I have of closing a, a door in the kitchen, a, a cupboard door. I didn't close it. My mom would close it. And that sound is still here. So when I close that, I hear that sound. I go, oh my God, that's and that's the only memory. Everything is exactly the same. Um, you know, I mean, the bathroom was—they were going to change that. I said, don't change it. It was exactly the same. The furnace is the same furnace that I had as a kid. You know, it's still working. It's like you know, 1946. Uh, that damn thing's working great. It'll work uh, for the house. Is unbelievable. You know, yeah. they changed it from a coal furnace into a, you know, gas furnace. When we moved in, my father did that, you know, um, and it's amazing. It just works perfectly. And everything's exactly the same, you know, um, and absolutely no memories. I look at this stuff and go, yeah, this is my, where my father sat. I sit there now. I have a, I have a chair there now where my father sat. Um, you know, the kitchen, I, I went on Craigslist and found an exact same table. Not the exact same, but the same model, you know, same yeah. different color, which I'm glad it's a different color. Because I had the original table, but it was really beat up, you know, from being left in some my sister's cellar and stuff. But I still have it, you know. But I I got this other one. It's a metal one, you know. It's in a small little kitchen, you know, which we all had. There was six of us living in this house. There's one of me living in it now. And um, so there's absolutely nothing in this house that gave me a new thought. So my... You know, my information for you is that memories you have of some places far away or, or 
some past, are true, real memories. Mm-hmm. If they're fake memories, it doesn't matter. You believe them big time, and they're good. I mean, they're good if they're good. If they're bad, they're bad. But, you know, they're honest, you know, because you're not trying to... One thing you won't make a, you know, outright lie of would be a memory. Um, I mean, I'll do variations on it, yes, but it won't be, I won't call it a memory then. It'll be, oh, yeah, this was Sally's in the backyard throwing a knife at a tree. That never happened. We don't have a tree in a backyard, you know. But somewhere down around the neighborhood, there was a tree that I used to throw a knife at. And that tree, I don't even know where the hell it is, but uh, that's a true memory. And I love that, you know. I, mean, I I just like the fact that they're they're not the same. And I'm glad I'm not seeing stuff that uh, says, "Yeah, I, I'm I'm sleeping in the room that I slept in when I was a kid," you know. Yeah. And even have a bed that my mom had. Uh, I don't even sleep on that bed anymore. I, my studio is in in the in the room that my father and my mother had twin beds. Uh, and they had that was their bedroom. And it's the biggest room, you know, in the house. Yeah. And. Um, uh, outside of the, you know, the living room and that kind of stuff. But my studio's upstairs in, the, in that room. And the porch is, you know, everything's the same. Except it's got like, uh, you know, what they call them, um, uh, you know, those uh, windows you can raise and have screens at the end, other end of them. Storm, storm windows. Okay. Yeah. Didn't have those, in you know, in the old days. And... Um, had shades instead of blinds, you know, and I have blinds, you know, those, old, the newer ones, you know, Lavore, what they call them, you know, spin the thing. Anyway, uh, and I don't miss it, you know, my TV set's in the same place that Dad had his TV set, or our TV set, it was ours, you know, but yeah. he set it all up. That kind of stuff, that's okay. I got, I got, you know, a lamp from that time, I got, I got things from that time. <laughs> But they don't seem like they're from that time. They, I mean, they look like they are, but they, they don't put, make me nostalgic and and all teary-eyed or anything. Yeah, I don't get any of that from it. So, so I think that the memories that you that you can do, uh, you do, uh, you don't have to have them verified because I could probably show all this stuff to my family members, which now is only my brother, um, and. They'd say, no, that's not where that was. That was over here. It wouldn't make a bit of difference. No. He could even be right. He could even show me a photograph. I'd say, I don't give a shit. <laughs> you know? It's where they were in my memory in New York City, you know? Yeah. So so that's I, I think it was really a, a blessing that I wasn't near it and couldn't see it because, you know, people have been living in this house since 1958. No, it wasn't my family. How to buy it from a complete stranger, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, there was nobody in the neighborhood that's left over from my time. I'm the old, there's older, there's the guy next door is 88. He's older than me, but he didn't live here back then. No way. So I'm, I'm the one person who can say, well, that store was, there was, there was a store there and there was this over here and there was this over here. I can say that with authority, you know, <laughs> but that's about all I can do. <laughs> I can't say it's better, you know? Um, so I don't know. Overshare? <laughs> <laughs> no, not overshare. Um, one of the things I was thinking about with, with, with that move is, in a way, the loft is as much... Um, you're closing a book on the loft with with this book. Forgive the, the, the yeah. alliteration there. 
um, as much as you're kind of concluding a chapter of documenting your family, it's like the loft plays that role in there too with your family, with your sister and your mom yeah. and dad in the loft or right. outside of the loft looking into it. Um, right. And I'm really interested about the role that plays is like place as person. Very good question. That's a, that's, that's a key uh, question uh, that I ask myself, you know, what's next? Yeah. Um, and every, everybody made a kind of joke. Oh, now you're going to do the loft, you know? I mean, about, about but my, my nephew. But you, you kind know, of did do that. the loft. That's that. That's what I'm yeah, saying. Yeah, but but even more so, I'm going to dedicate the next series of pictures to the loft without doing the loft. I'm going to dedicate to New York. That's the uh, IA New York bag series, mm-hmm. which is going to be uh, is in the book as the last story with my cat who died about a year after we moved here. So the cat had survived to be 16 and a half. He lived in New York in the loft, and he came with me, Blur, his name was, uh, because he was so fast, and he was a great cat. And when I moved back here, he was, you know, I have memories of him here. So um, uh, the the last thing in the the What's a Paintoonist is... um, Blur is looking out the window the, of the empty loft with the window slightly opened uh, like he would do, and there's no furniture or anything. It's totally empty. And there's this bag, like a sh- supermarket bag, you know, that kind of lightweight type of thing made out of plastic and paper. Or they, you know, it's not all plastic. It's lightweight stuff. Mm-hmm. And, um, and it's got written on a, a New York bag, a N dot Y dot bag at the bottom, you know, in big letters, and it's yellow, and it's it blows into the um, into the loft, and and of course Blur is a cat or as a person even, but Blur is a cat is looking up at it, it's up in the air, you know, it's like because it's so light it can blow, you know, little winds would blow it around like bags do, and it comes down and lands right on his head, you know, <laughs> he's he's sitting underneath a bag. You know, it just like fully engulfs him, you know, <laughs> and then it blows away. You know, he's just running away from the window, and you can see the bag blowing out the window into New York. Um, with this, you can see the lettering a New York bag, but it's upside down because the bag is upside down, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, so my whole new series now begins with it's called a New York bag with that yellow bag now on 28th Street. It begins with. Uh, this bag blowing up from the subway, 28th Street subway, which I had on the corner of Broadway and 28th Street, um, by itself, it's blowing up, and it's a New York bag. Um, I think it's upside down again. Yes, it's upside down, the the word New York bag, because the handles is coming out in the bottom part, and the wind has to blow, like from the subway going by, the, the wash of air that would go up from the subway um, up the stairs and would blow the bag which was lying on the steps, apparently, out of the subway. And then it floats up in the next page. And then it's, it's um, uh, and then it floats down again on the, on the front of the subway. And, and uh, a, a, a millennial girl is looking at her, he's walking towards the subway um, steps, looking at her iPhone, uh, texting, and she does, she steps into one of the handles of the bag without realizing because she's looking at her phone, and the bag um, 
uh, goes onto the heel of her, her high heel shoes, and she reaches back to take it off the shoe, and she falls down into the subway mm-hmm. stairs. You know, which which is the bag is coincidentally, accidentally knocked her down the subway stairs. We don't see her fall. We just see the last part is you see the subway from the side close up, and there's this leg going down the stairs with the shoe coming off and the bag is floating up behind her um, to go out and do some more, you know, uh, whatever, you know. It doesn't kill people. It just sort of annoys the hell out of them. And that's, so that's all about New York. It's all going to be about 28th Street as long as I can do it. New York doesn't kill you? It just annoys the hell out of you? Yeah, it's just sort of, it just it kind of gets in your way. It annoys you. It stops your flow. You ignore it because a bag is so unimportant to anybody blowing on the streets. You know, it, who's going to bother being concerned with it, you know? It's just going to be there and then taken away by some, you know, garbage people or whatever. Uh, it may be there forever. So I'm assuming this bag has been there since 1965. <laughs> and it's it's blowing around doing things without anyone paying any attention to it. Oh, it's just a bag kind of thing. And it's coincidentally, this is the act of, is this God or is this coincidence? This yeah. is coincidence. This is not God. This is not an act of, there's no life form in this bag. It's not an alien. <laughs> it's just, it's just being free, you know, without being, knowing it's free. It's just, and it can fly because of just the wind, you know? <laughs> oh, it's terrible. But, uh, but, but it's, anyways, it's not going to be done in color. There's no color. It's all black and white. But then the bag is yellow. I will paint the bag yellow. So the one thing you'll see, it's almost like Spielberg's um, movie, uh, uh, was the movie um, Schindler's List, mm-hmm. The Girl in a Red Dress. Yeah. Remember that? I mean, that is so stunning that he, he put that girl in, you know, in the red dress, you know, going to Auschwitz or whatever it was. Or he saved her. I don't know what. I that I was think, such a um, what? I think she dies, and that's kind of you yeah. see the red dress or the red coat. I think it was just in a pile yeah. somewhere. Oh, okay. I, I I didn't remember that part at the end. I mean, I hadn't seen it in a long, long time. But it just struck me as beautifully done and amazing. Yeah. It, it, it was one of those phony looking colors on top of a, a a black and white movie thing. You know, it looked real. It looked yeah particularly metaphysical or whatever. So that was in my head. And there used to be a, a TV show called uh, 1,000 Ways to Die. It used to be on Spike Channel. I had to look it up on Google because I totally forgot where it was And in 2007 and 2008. And it was like ridiculous ways that people accidentally died, you know? Oh, I think I've seen it. 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 Oh, it's amazing. I mean, I, I was transfixed by it. This guy was a ghoulish voice. Would would say these you know these things, and, and then she be... swallowed a spoonful of cinnamon like that or something. Yeah. <laughs> yes, exactly. <laughs> and, and I miss that show big time. You know, <laughs> it was only out for two years. You know, and I looked it up on Google, and, and they you know they gave me the rest of that information, but I couldn't. You know, I tried to get it on Netflix, and it's in the save list, where it'll never gonna <laughs> show up. <laughs> Because there's a warning, like, this is dire stuff. <laughs> this is dark. <laughs> but it's done in a good-natured way. It's, you know, it's like, how many foolish ways can you die, you know? It sort of, like, makes life kind of um, 
random. <laughs> so, so the bag is dedicated to the girl in the red coat and and thousand ways to die and my life on Twenty Eighth Street. <laughs> I love the just like just such disparate congruity, what? just such disparate things coming together, just like coming from all these different directions. Exactly. And no one blames anything, you know? Oh, it's that damn bag again, you know? But it really is the same bag. You know, I'm not going to change the color of that bag. So it's really the same bag. And it's just getting blown around. It's like hanging out with pigeons, you know, because it's flying up there. And, and I, my special love is morning doves, you know? Mm-hmm. And, I, and I, they started coming to New York and where I lived, you know, about 20 years before I moved away. Um, and I love them. There's a sweet animals i mean you know they got this great soft face but boy they're a terror with each other they whack each other with their wings and stuff but uh i, I have a couple in my backyard or my side yard i don't have a backyard a side yard here and Binghamton. i love seeing because it's sort of like they follow me here you know oh, wow i don't remember see, i don't see any pigeons at all in Binghamton. i know they're there i've seen a few yes but not in this area um i live near a park you know, the biggest park in Binghamton, it's called Rec Park, Recreation Park. And it's uh, got a, it got a merry-go-round that's made the city famous in a sense. They call it the Carousel City because the merry-go-round is, you know, back to 1910 or something. Great wooden horses and everything. And I don't go to it or anything, but, you know, I'm saying it's, it's, it's a serious. Uh, and so, and I see like a skunk in my backyard. How about that, man? I've never, I haven't seen a live skunk in my life. Now I know I smell them. I see them. You know, um, it's cra- it's it's crazy. I think you'd mentioned the merry-go-round when we talked on the phone once, and like it was on an episode of um, Rod Serling of yeah, Twilight Zone. Twilight Zone, yeah. He lived three blocks from that merry-go-round. So, so it was about, it's called Walking Distance. It was about a guy in New York who was a, uh, played by, um, oh God, Gig Young. Uh, and, and he was a burnout uh, advertising executive. And he goes up to, and he has a, this, this limp in his leg. And he goes up to his hometown. Uh, and he goes to his old house. And, and he knocks on the door. And his parents, who are long dead, answer the door. And they don't recognize him, of course, because they died when he was really young. And um, and he goes over, and he goes to the merry-go-round, and he remembers that when he was a kid, he'd ride this merry-go-round. And at one time, he fell off, the, or something happened, he fell off the merry-go-round, and he injured his leg. And that's why he has that limp. And it's, you know it's just it's just so touching. It's, it's like oh, I don't know if Mark, uh, Serling had a limp. I don't think he did. He was a paratrooper in World War II. I mean, he's a small guy. He wasn't a big guy, but you know he he he, he was a paratrooper in the Philippines. Uh, anyway, um, he uh, it, it, I I just saw it and knew it immediately. You know that was because he would put in the Twilight Zone uh, local uh, furniture store trucks, you know, like they're already being big and, you know, we show up in the Twilight Zone. He, he named characters out of teachers that I had and he had. I mean, I'm not the same age, of course. He was World War II. I'm 
born before World War II, but, you know, wasn't that age. Yeah. Um, he died young. He died like 49 or 50 from smoking, I think. Yep. Because you see Twilight Zone, he always starts with a cigarette, you know. Well, kids, don't smoke. Yeah, that's, that's the point. But so so there you are. Yeah, I'm keeping the biography, but I don't want anybody in these pictures, these new you know, New York bag thing that I know. Yeah. No family people, nobody I know. If I recognize somebody or it's a caricature of somebody I know of, uh, I'll just, like, remove it. It's, that's, I've already done two of them, or I'm actually working on the second one now. And that's going to be in the next book, you know, the um, the uh, uh, visual art, uh, uh, visual crime book, you know. Now, um, when I was reading, I like my process, as you know, my process of interviews, I read everything. And so this morning... I reread this book, uh, and then this afternoon I re- reread uh, Jack Survives. And mm. um, one of the notes I made to myself when reading What's a Pain Tunist um, was to talk about Richard McGuire and uh, here. And um, and then I, I forgot yeah. that he'd done the intro for Jack Survives or the foreword. Yeah. One of the, right. one of the nice commentaries in there. Um, yeah. And one of the things I was thinking about with here, uh, without remembering that he did that uh, for the one book, is there's something interesting that you're doing within this work, um, especially in What's a Pain Tunis, where you're kind of giving your home, your your both of your homes, this kind of timelessness to it. And mm. you exist there kind of... and it. it it's 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 a similar thing to here, but not in the same way because here's very specific and it's functioning of the points in time, but where time is kind of flat in your work right. in a way. Is that making right. sense? Am I totally yeah. like way off base? Well, uh, uh, time is is moment to moment, but the next moment there may be huge gaps of of time. It, it's like the end papers begin in what's a paintunus with with the continuation of the cover and then you won't see the answer the end of that like she's asking what's a paintunus and then the cat is doing the answer did you get the point about the cat doesn't talk in his balloon he talks outside his balloon he's got a balloon yeah. coming out of his mouth but he talks outside the, of the balloon because i don't like talking animals even yeah. though Patrick McDonald is my good friend, you know, who does much. <laughs> I just don't like them actually talking. I like them, yeah, they make a sound, that's the balloon, but the words are going to be outside the balloon. I, I, I just made it up thinking, look how clever I am. <laughs> I won't ever do it again, I swear. Um, but, but that was done because it was an honest thing I was trying to do there to have the cat not be just a talking animal. I wanted him to be, you know, well, he's just talking animal, but I don't want him to talk in a normal talking animal way, you know. So, uh, so, so the end paper begins in the first behind the first cover, uh, and then it ends at the, at the end, um, and then the back cover. Uh, as a, will you retain that memory of it when you get to the last end paper? We remember, oh yeah, that was going on in the first end paper. That was going on in the cover. So I could have spaces between events hopefully hopefully you'll 
be able to retain something that was there that is there again, you know? Yeah. Is that what you're trying to ask or, or what? I got that wrong? No, I think, I think, I, I think we're like, I don't have a particular thesis statement as much as like, I'm interested in that kind of effervescence of time within mm-hmm. your work. Like, especially in looking at the way you, you occupy space, um, especially within the Binghamton house and uh-huh. the um, the loft. Yeah. Well, by repeating things, there's something interesting that happens that uh, it's probably an old jazz thing, you know, repeating things sometimes, you know, makes it it's yeah. different the next time you hear it in the same piece, let's say. Or it's, it's, re- it's, it's greeted, you know, as, oh, this is not unusual. I heard this before. Or, or seeing something, you know. So I think the characters do a lot of that. Obviously, they do the time thing. They get you into it. Um, maybe they're repeating with, I, I sprinkle morning doves in things, too, you know, that um, because they're just just like the bag almost. They're kind of there, but they're there as living, functioning things. Um yeah. You know, and there's one moment in, in What's a Paintunas where I just literally, uh, when Sally says, um, uh, why are you paint, uh, uh, you're painting your loft? And I, and the next page is, what? <laughs> I don't know if you saw that, but I thought, this would be nice to have a comic thing, just, just be there and say something like, yeah, I couldn't hear you what you said. What? <laughs> you know, it's yeah. like, it's a non-entity page. And, and I just... I actually did it because I needed a page for the signature, you know, and and I just thought maybe I can say more with this what, but I just said no, that's enough. And then finally she repeats it in the next page. Uh, why are you painting pictures of your loft, or why are you doing paintings of your loft, you know? And then I answer in the regular way about being living in two different places for, you know, fifty years in one and twelve in the other, and. But I, but I just threw that one page away basically by just saying what you know because we're both looking at the at the picture and she she's asked the question um, so I think you also have that time thing with no panels and you go well actually there's a panel there because I, those are the ones I I drew a black line around but a lot of them just don't have edges on them they're just bleed so you, you're kind of like assuming maybe continuation or maybe you're assuming ending I don't know. Uh, but in my case, I, I felt uh, the need to to contain the, the dialogue pages yeah. with a with with a kind of you know uh, abrupt or awkward looking black line without a ruler. Back in the day, I used to rule all my jack pages, you know, with a ruling pen. I mean, literally one of those old fashioned ruling pens. I mean, I just rule the the borders. Now I just don't really care. No, you're like yeah. you're getting more and more kind of free with 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 your drawing and your painting. Well, I, I'm 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 allowing the mistake me to come. You know, as a, again, this this is the benefit of my less maleness from the perspective of me saying, well, a good artist can draw like you know can draw these things, you know, and then just show off all over the place to myself. I don't know if anyone thinks, oh, well, that's really good drawing. I hope they do, but if they don't, I don't blame them for that. Because that's dumb drawing, you know. It's, you know, the old phrase, uh, 
don't work hard, work smart, you know? Yep. <laughs> I come from that world. Uh, but I used to think I was being smart by working hard, you know? And, um, and I don't think I really worked that hard. I'm too lazy to work hard, <laughs> you know? So I'm I find the shortcuts. Well, I mean, I'm too lazy from the perspective of uh, I, I, I call downtime a lot. I don't go anywhere. I don't, I don't do anything. I punish myself for being lazy. You know, I just say, yeah, okay. Let's watch, um, you know, well, I watch a lot of TV. I mean, it's on constantly. I had to turn it off to answer the phone even, you know. Um, got through Jeopardy just in time. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> uh, only because it's a habit, you know. Yeah. Oh, you know, another show that's amazing to me is a show that I used to see in New York called Cash Cab. And it's about a guy who's a comedian who's really perfect. And he probably was doing this as his day job. Uh, he drives a cab. People get in the cab. And all of a sudden, lights go on and stuff like that. And he says, you've just gotten into the cash cab. And I'm going to quiz you on, you know, joke on things all the way up to your destination. Because the guy's driving through New York, literally yeah. taking him. And he so often was in my neighborhood in 6th Avenue and, and 28th Street. I mean, not that I saw him on the street, but I recognized the background, you know. And yeah. they, people would get in accidentally. And they'd just be regular New Yorkers or, or even tourists, the main, mostly New Yorkers. And they'd sit there like, oh, what? And they all want to play. Well, of course, they don't ever show the ones where they say, what the hell? You know, and get out yep. of there. The <laughs> real New Yorkers. That. Yeah, right. Like, yeah, I'm too busy. Get out of here, you know. I'm out of here. Yeah, um, the, you know, the Wednesday show, of course. And they have cameras in the cab that you don't see until you're in it. I mean, that's the claim at the end. No one has any clue when they get in the cab that they're going to be getting into the cash cab. So the lights go off in, in the cab, and there's they must see the cameras inside because now all of a sudden, you know, there's one person answers a question, and they have four people maybe, or maybe two, or maybe sometimes one. And this guy was great. Oh, God. Why can't I think of his name? Uh, uh, ben. Oh, I can't do his last name now. Anyway, Ben. Um, uh, so anyway, he's terrific. And so they have this GSN, which is Game Show Network, that I can pick up here. And they're playing these old shows. And I have nostalgia for New York. You know, because a New York accent comes on, I go, Wow. I th- who would have thought I'd like a, this New York accent, you know? <laughs> but I do. Have you gone? Have you gone back to New York at all since? Moving? No, I, I I just don't want to. Yeah. I mean, I just you just I don't know. I, now I build up a whole another. You know, it's been mythologized by me now. Yeah. You know, it wasn't that great for me there. I mean, it was great, and and I survived it. And I I'm so proud of that. I survived it in a way that I liked it. You know what I mean? Um, it's hard to describe. I was in the biggest, baddest city of the world. <laughs> and I made it work. Now, that, that that is something to say, I think, right yeah. there. That's well, my you, accomplishment. You must have seen so much change there. I mean, living. Oh, yeah. Like, it was, was it the 50s when you first moved to New York? And just being in that loft from, like... What? 1965. 1965, yeah. like, you yeah. know, it's... But, you know, but it changes, but, you know, the people are distant enough. You can see why that works. I mean, yeah. I have neighbors and stuff, but I wasn't close to my neighbors. Here, if you're not close to your neighbors, it's really anger. It's really, it's, it's dangerous, you know? Yeah. 
uh, I mean, you like how angry you get. Um, and the other thing is, it's anonymous, even from the sound level. Like a car goes by, I was on the fifth floor anyway, you know. Or a car goes by, or noise, or somebody with a boombox back in the day, you know. Uh, you wouldn't know who this person was. You wouldn't. Even, you might just look out and say, "Yeah, what's well, my stereotype for this person?" Right? You know. Um, here, you know who the hell they are, and you know the car. You know, yeah. so so it's really seriously bad from that perspective. Yeah. For, I mean, for your, you know, and so you hear every sound as specific. And in New York, every sound is general. The anonymity of New York is so healthy. <laughs> you can't, I can't tell you how, how amazing. That was my biggest first adjustment, is yeah. that you have specifics when you, when you hear a sound. You have specifics when people are assholes. You have specific, you know, and of course I'm one of them. I'm one of the assholes. And, and uh, you know, I'm... I'm not called on it, but we play games with it, you know. Anyway, it's it's a uh, it's a different life, and I'm I'm coming around to it. Uh, my neighbor, the old guy next door, came in and said, "I want to make sure I have a telephone number of your nephew, you know, or your 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 brother-in-law, because you know, I'm such a loner. They think you know I'm going to die inside the house. They're not going to know what the hell to do, you know. But he's yeah. always been he's always been good. He comes over and sees me." And, and has his little dog and stuff, and he's just a nice man, you know. I call. There's, there, go ahead. There's there's things to be found within these like different community settings. Like, Absolutely. Yeah. I didn't know that, you know. I mean, I just thought, well, I'm I'm a whole town guy. I'm going to come back, and everything's going to fall into place in some manner. But I'll be, you know, the adult version of me than I was when I was left, and. Um, not true. No. Not true. And with, all this... like, with so much life experience, I mean, you're not, it, there's a no way you could revisit something when you've gone through so much. Well, it's like, you, you know, with that famous play, you can't go, you can't go home again. You know, it was A.G. or whoever wrote that. Um, you can't, yeah. it's the title of the play or the book. Uh, you can't go home again or whatever. Uh, uh, thank God that's true. In, in, a, in yeah. real ways, I mean, you know, it's 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 charging me up in a different manner that I than I would have expected. Just in in a kind of instead of a, in the awe-inspiring way that when I went to Pratt, I was a kid from a small town. Um, there was actually like twice the size it is now, back then, you know, yeah. because we got all these sprawling suburbs and shit, you know, so. Uh, it's 44,000 now. It's 88,000 back when I was a kid. Um, so, you know, going to New York was to to go. Uh, you used to have an expression. My, the supermarket I worked in, the manager would say, when he did something right, he'd say, just like New York. Right. <laughs> 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 That's the, that was kind of, you know, but mostly it was like set in, set in derision, you know. It's mostly, you know, just like New York would mean, a jerky thing, but this guy meant it as a professional thing, you know. <laughs> that was probably the only compliment Binghamtonians would give, uh, you know, a New York person, you know. They especially hated Long Island people. I don't know why. Uh, but anyway. Uh, Binghamton's way further west, right? Like getting closer to the edge of the state or kind of central state? It's right on the Pennsylvania border. 
And it's it's okay. in the middle of the state, and it's like 90 miles south of Syracuse, which is on a um, closer to Lake Erie, or well, yeah, Lake Erie, no, Lake Ontario, whatever. Uh, um, so this this has the the Trump. We're in damn near Trump land, you know. Yeah. Pennsylvania coal miners and all that stuff. My mom's family was coal miners. The guy next door is a coal miner, <laughs> meaning the good guy. Uh, yeah. Boy. Anyway, <laughs> wish we had your president. Your, 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 I think the whole world wishes we had your, your Trudeau instead of. Anyway. I, yeah, that's a that's a a slippery slope of a conversation that just never ends well for anyone. Yeah. I know. So, so I don't even bring it up. And, and, and you know, that, that's that's something not even to do. You know, like not that I, I'm afraid of it, but I just don't want to talk in those world, world lands and places and about things that you know never engaged yeah. me to begin with. So maybe that's the, the aspect of it that matters is that you get more engaged in government. And say, whoa, can this be right? You know, that kind of thing. So you really. I don't know, pay attention. I suppose that might be a good thing, but the damage is being done is just nasty. In any event, now we'll pass that one on. <laughs> <laughs> so I don't, su- this? <laughs> I don't suppose you're going to be going to any comic shows or at all after the book. No, I, uh, I, you know, um, outside of you, you know, uh, Gary had said if I want to have interviews and stuff. I just didn't even answer that question, you know. Uh, not that I didn't don't like to talk, as you know, but uh, I I just not you know I, if he did say you know we set up a, a talking thing, I wouldn't uh, participate. Uh, yeah. I mean, I did with with, with Alvin, you know. I, I flew to Los Angeles, my first time ever flying across country. I never I only flew once before. Yeah, I, I I'm like the J.D. Salinger of the art world, you know. You move into a place and you know no one can even visit you here, you know. <laughs> <laughs> I've wondered about like I'd love to go and see your home, but I'm like, uh, how would I get there? Like, yeah. I just I don't know. Well, well there's a but there's buses, you know, from New York to it. I mean, I, there's it's an easy route because of the yeah. Binghamton University. Like I said, so many people come from out of state. Not out of state, but from New York and Long Island and stuff. It's a good school. Uh, they didn't want me teaching there, but it's a good school. I mean, I tried four <laughs> times to get a teaching or something job here. Uh, once at the community school, they didn't, uh, you know, they didn't have a class to teach. They said finally, when it was way too long into it, I was planning classes and stuff. Uh, the Broome County. Um, uh, Art, something or other, got in touch with me. There was an article in the paper, which I arranged, you know, when I first moved here. And so, like, I don't know. It just, it was just like dead. I mean, they have galleries and stuff here too. Yeah. But they're photorealist people, you know. Yeah. Tight as a bug's ass, you know. <laughs> That's the expression I love to hear when the photorealist started coming out, you know, in the sixties. Uh, I mean, to me, it's that's labor and nothing. It's like saxophone players that are really got amazing chops. That's an amazing thing to play a saxophone like it sounds like a violin. But I don't care, you know. 
Yeah. I mean, if you can't do anything completely off the charts or you don't want to because you're going to, like, play in a horrible way, basically, compared to your, you know, high-skilled chops, that means nothing. That's yeah. a skill. I mean, it does take some kind of uh, nervous system. I don't have that nervous system, that's for sure. I just go bonkers, you know. Uh, you know, doing this, the light on the on the eye of a fly. I mean, that, that that would just not. My mind would just freak. You know, my hand wouldn't do it. You know, uh, and that's not even an aesthetic principle. That's like a nervous system. You know, people that put uh, the Lord's prayer in the head of a pin type of thing. You know. Yeah. That's not. That's not. That's to me. That's not art. That's no. that's craft. So oh. I, I was. I was never. You know enticed to do that. I do respect it. I do respect somebody having the ability to do it as a phenomenon. Yeah. I think that's worthy of that. But do you but have something think... to say at the same time? Or does that person have something to say at the same time? Yeah, right. They have to say chops. And, you know, I know that's accessible. I, I, I have to, like, defeat what, what chops I have only from the male perspective, like I was saying. Mm-hmm. If I defeat my chops, I defeat uh, Marlon Brando. If I defeat my chops, I defeat, uh, you know, James Dean. I defeat uh, all the other male heroes, you know, my maleness uh, from that idea. A real man can draw, you know. Yeah. I bought into that crap. I mean, I didn't really. I was doing abstract painting and everything else. But there was always that, like, I do have that skill because I did. And that's how I crossed over into Fantasyland to begin with. I could draw Superman, you know, so it looked like Superman. And the kids made a fuss. And I go, hey, this this is worth it. So it was the art card from there on, you know. Isn't that that whole thing about, like, mark making, um, that that big idea within painting? And I mean, I'm not, I didn't go to school to study art, so I may be way off base. But the idea of, like, part of that kind of, like, machismo maleness is that you're making these marks and these canvas and... Hmm. You know, that's the thing. And the interesting thing, like looking at what you're doing um, in What's a Paintunus is the marks are subdued and so yeah. pulled far back. Like it's just, they're washes and, you know, there's pencil or graphite. I'm not sure what it is on the outlines of the buildings. Um, exactly. I, I, I draw on tracing paper uh, the original drawing. And then um, when I transfer it to the paper, the Bristol board, um, I you know I, I go over the tracing paper with a harder pencil, and so it comes off like carbon, you know, like a carbon paper. Yeah. So you have the exact line. I mean, it's not backwards. I do I draw it straight front ways. Um, if you turn it over, put the carbon on, I mean, the, the graphite on it, uh, that's backwards. But then you turn it back over again. You put that on on the Bristol board, and you go over those lines, and and the graphite comes off in a different way than it does if you do the lines directly onto yeah. the paper. Because you're like and mirroring, I, right? Pardon? Is it mirroring? Because you're mirroring. No, you're it, oh. it doesn't. No, it does. If it smears, it's accidental because I'm not trying to do that. But it it it, it comes off as a different black, and it looks all like crayon almost, um, yeah. to some degree. It doesn't look like ink, which is the other yeah. good thing. So it doesn't contain it in that kind of shape, you know, uh, stained glass window look. Which is was exactly what I was doing with Jack. Totally loved that, you know. Now I'm not doing that. I'm losing edges. 
Yeah. And to lose edges is is the uh, the opening. I think of the water watery acrylic thing. And and, yeah. and if I don't like something, I take it out. I can take it out with white acrylic, you know, heavy white acrylic, and then I I go over it again um, with the, uh, with the wash, uh, uh, and it, it's a kind of same thing, but not quite as pure as just the light of the paper coming through. Now the white of, of the of the acrylic is coming through instead of the white of the paper. So it's a little less pure, and it, it, you'll notice some of them look bumpy, like the one with um, my dad petting the cat in the dough page spread of, and my my sister pointing up to the skylight to my mom. There's one part of the purple was done with a paper, okay, in the second page, which I, was a two-page, you know, double page spread. Uh, I, I didn't like, after I did this, the, the first purple, I didn't like the purple I had there before. So I took it out completely with the white, and it's sort of bumpy looking. But it's okay because it's just another, it's still washy looking. It doesn't look opaque or anything. Yeah. White acrylic over that solid, you know, solid white acrylic, and then yeah. put the same color. It won't be the same as on the paper uh, reflection because that is so transparent. You're literally, the white is shining through the color uh, in the um, paper version. But on the same paper, I could I could change the whole color if I wanted to, but it, but I don't want it to become thick uh, change. I want it to be still transparent. So I put white acrylic over it, you know, and the, you know, not really super thick, but enough so it gets a white um, base. And then I and I still put the transparent stuff over that. So there's a slight change, but still it still keeps some watercolorish look to it, you know. Um, which, I, which I I like. When I was in, or kind of a couple of years ago, actually, in 2014, when I went to New York, um, Gary Panter had an art show there at the time, and the really interesting thing, because Gary's so, you know, black ink is such like a big feature of all his work, uh, but uh -huh. the, this painting, there was none of that, no black outline or anything. It was just the colors as the function which is really right. interesting, like really pulled him back um, in a different way. Mm -hmm. and I don't know if I'm making a connection with anything there, but I just kind of thought about that, like how, um, you know, like finding a different way to work with you when you're so dependent on these things. And I mean, for, for well, you, look at all, both you. Yeah, look, yeah, like Gary's, you know, from Jimbo on, he's changed so many times in ways that I totally applaud, you know. He he has he has the chops and he has all the other things that I respect um, in in many ways. So that's that's a good comparison. Yeah, I think I it's, totally agree. It's um, it's exciting to see like when folks don't kind of recycle the same thing and don't get caught up in the thing and just keep pushing themselves forward. I did it. I did it small time, or I did it in in smaller things uh, all along. But I think approaching eighty is 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 making me, you know, uh, question my judgment and all the other things, which is adding another element. You know, am I, you know, not thinking as clearly, or am I thinking clearer? I, I mean, I don't know. Uh, I mean, I know I'm forgetting names. Like I just forgot that. 
and naming that guy in a cab. Um, I'll remember everything about that except the name, the last name of that guy. Uh, and then some, you know, like later on tonight, I'm going, oh, that's the name, you know. And I'm forgetting that a lot, you know. <laughs> I'm okay. I'm okay yeah. with that, you know. But I'm wondering, is that affected in some way my art? If that's the case, I'm okay with that, too, because even when I'm making my art, I don't wear my glasses. Really? I mean, I do it with my sketches. Yeah, and, and I, I need to wear the glasses to read, and I got two sets of them, meaning there's really for reading and one for TV. And when I'm making my art, I do everything to interrupt the, the process of what what I've always seen pictures of cartoonists doing. Like I, I work vertically on an easel. I don't work on a drawing board. Yeah. So so my hand can never rest on the paper. Well, I can, but it doesn't rest easily, you know. Yeah. You know, the palm of my hand. So I'm literally, the end of the brush is the only thing that touches that paper. Though sometimes my hand does touch it, but it's, just, it's like not intentional. And I that's an obstacle if one is trying to do good brushwork. So I really screw up my brushwork uh, gladly um, by having it as a brush away and on a vertical surface. Um, so I do things, and then not wearing my glasses, I interfere with what I really could see, you know. And I'm looking at my sketch and stuff, And it, but if I'm going to do a figure and something that demands that, I'll put my glasses on. Yeah. But generally speaking, on everything else. Uh, and these glasses are not my my full power glasses. These are my first subscription glasses, which goes back to my age of 40. Yeah. And I'm almost 80. So there you go. It, it's like, and I like that. And then when I see it later, I put my glasses on, of course. And I only look at it with my glasses on then. And if it's really bad, I'll just go back and change it. That's all. Yeah. But I'll, But I want it to be kind of intuitive um, feeling more than, you know, some kind of uh, art eyes or something going on there, you know? I like the um, that the idea that you're kind of depending on your on your hands to do it if you can't see it that well. Like, yeah, you, you there, there's kind of that like automatic gesturing. Yeah. And uh, and also, I think there's a sensitivity in in my hands of me, you know, because I use it so often for this, we'll call it relatively delicate process, that I am appreciating even more. Uh, man, when I when I separate those coffee filters, I just say yes, I got the one by itself. You know, <laughs> you you drink coffee like Mr. Coffee or anything? No, I I have a horrible predilection for energy drinks. Yeah, well, good for you. I mean, I drink Metamucil. I, I, I'm a Metamucil guy now, especially with the sugar and the orange, you know, smooth flavor. I love that, you know, and I shit good, too, you know. So, anyway. I'm happy for hey. you. That's good. Yeah, overshare. Hey, you know what, Jerry? you you got to take care of yourself. you got to do what yep. keeps you functioning and keeps your clockwork going. Oh, hey, you know, my physical state is, is uh, you know, Fine. I, mean, I I I can't believe it. I, I have a um, a elliptical. You know, I get on that for two minutes and no more. Well, the TV's on. You know, uh, at night before I go to bed. Then I do my twenty push-ups and everything else when I get up in the morning while I'm waiting for my toast to to pop. And then I got to turn it over because I make my own 
bread and it's it really needs two times through my toaster so i use up that whatever that is five minutes or three minutes for exercise and that's all i do i wanted to oh then i walk to my supermarket which is about a mile away and i carry like 50 pounds of groceries back you know in two different bags where i, I got this great handle thing which works perfectly i put them between the two you know paper handles and then uh, and I can carry two bags really easily. Oh, not easily. It's still heavy. Yeah. But they never rip, you know. Yeah. And, and the, so I so I get it home, and I'm thinking 50 pounds. I never weighed it, but I'm thinking that's 50 pounds, you know, with two of them. I mean, probably 25 pounds each. That's. And it's about a mile. And in in street traffic here is, <laughs> is zero, <laughs> so I'm I'm walking you know down streets sidewalks with hardly ever seeing a person. But of course, I say hello if I do see a person I don't know walk down the street, <laughs> which in New York I would never do. Yeah. You know? Well, I'm sure with your very colorful shirts, um, you're probably. Oh, I can't do that. No, I can't. I, you no know, more that's, jam shirts. I was walking down the street in in Binghamton, and I heard this like you know I think person from a porch say faggot or something like that. You know. Because I had my full, you know, everything, all my total stuff. Long on. hair. My long hair, which is like, you know, a ball guy with long hair is like pathetic. But, you know, there's a lot of those people around without that being an issue. You know, semi-biker types and people like that. This was not one of those people. <laughs> um, but anyway, I realized, you know, I got to wear black and brown and gray. Because I'm not going to see. I would walk down New York streets going to teach, you know, because that was mostly the case. It was like to be like, here's a, here's a color you can use or whatever. I wouldn't say that, but I'd say, you know, like, don't worry about me. I'm not going to be a problem for you. You know, I'm an yeah. old guy, but I'm an old guy that's playful, let's say, hopefully to you, you know, because I yeah. hated teachers and I hated old people and I hated teachers. And what the hell was I? I was an old person who was a teacher. And so coming in with my, you know, Jams World, you know, full color shirts uh, was, was, absolute joy because you know they'd say something and you know, or not but they would not be offended by it you know there's no way and i would and walk there you know from my my loft and you know that's about 10 blocks or so and um well maybe not many maybe seven blocks and people all along the way i'd hear somebody say hey i'd buy that shirt you know <laughs> things like that hey i like your shirt you know you know, if you, if they got something to say to you, they will in New York. Yeah. Otherwise, you know, they know you're not a problem. You're not going to be like, oh, what are you, who are you looking at? What are you looking at? You know, they, they knew I wasn't that way because the shirts were too playful for me to be that way. So, yeah. and I loved it, you know. And then I'm walking down the street here and it's, it's, um, it's, it's what they call porch dicks. You know, this porch dick says, I think he said it because I wasn't sure. I was carrying two computers to be fixed. And... Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I just—I wasn't going to say anything back. I mean, I, you know, it's, it's, it's my fault. I'm in their it. territory. Yeah. yeah it's, so I just kept going. I'm sure he said that. And I realized, you know, when in Rome, you know, so um, from that point on, I began to, like, I put, took all my shirts up in the attic and, uh, and I went online and got brown shirts and blue shirts and non, you know, black pants and I won't wear my colored pants. My, you know, I have these great, you know, colored pants. I wear them. 
I wear my white, you know, pink pants. That's good. That's okay. It's acceptable. Black pants are okay, and Levi's and Wranglers are fine. Mm-hmm. So, so yes, that that was the first thing, earliest thing that I realized. Hey, you know, you, you're in their territory. Not that I think Portuguese is a, you know, anybody I would want to appease in any way. Yeah, but it's but, a safe. You kind of feel like. Is how other people feel who don't say things, yeah. Yeah. Um, and I said, you know, I'm okay with that. So, yeah. you know, I'm just getting used to not, I'm not going to cut my hair, so fuck them. Yeah. So that's, well, I'm sorry I've been swearing too much. <laughs> you remember I'm in Canada, Jerry. It doesn't matter. Yeah. Oh, okay. <laughs> you should know that uh, Chester Brown has a very similar haircut to yourself now, so you have... Really? You have company, yeah. He's got a f- amazingly long, flowing mane. And he's got is he bald too? He's he's pretty bald. He, he's, oh okay. Yeah yeah yeah. No, for a, a long time he kept his hair very short and oh yeah. So he's he's bald genetically, not bald on purpose. No no he he's got the full you. Uh, yeah. And he's got okay. this amazing hair and it just flows. Uh, it's uh, mine doesn't flow so much, and it's 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 lice uh, potential too. Which I don't have, thank God, but it's scaring me there. You see these pictures on light on bottles, you know, like, and they have like these poor little girls, you know, oh. you know, because they get it in school and things, you know, it's not like it's dirty or anything. So, you know, because they, they share hats or they do touch each other's hair or something, and it's like full heads of hair because it's you know mine's in the, in the back. I'm thinking, oh my God, I may see a niece or something and. They may have it, and, you know, and I'm going to have it. So far, okay. <laughs> <laughs> I don't need to bring that into our conversation. Oh, boy, I'm getting worse I, and worse. I, I think I think your hair will be fine. Uh, I've, I've yeah. gone a long while without getting lice. I think, uh, I think it should be okay. Um, okay. So, I mean, one of the things with this book is, it, it, I mean, there's a bunch of interesting things uh, with it right now where it's closing a chapter of your life. Um, right. you yourself one of the things I think you even talk about in Jack Survives is where uh, you paint your mom going into the attic I'm totally right. just bringing us right back into the book um, oh, yeah. and with with her reconnecting with your father after uh, years apart when she passes right. Uh, right. and then in this you're painting yourself going into the attic to join your sister and your mother and your father and I want to kind of unpack that a little and talk about that as like a kind of concluding factor right. to, the, to the Moriarty painted story yeah well I did one of my sister going into the attic too you know being greeted by my mom and dad but I didn't put that in the book because I, you know, I didn't want to I'd mentioned it of course that she died in the book but uh, <clears throat> the, the one of me was going home was I was going to that attic or that place where that attic was and here he is, and um, and and my cat too, of course. Uh, and I even made a mention online about the the you know blur of the cat. Mm-hmm. Uh, it wasn't true at the time I did the painting, but it is now, you know. Um, so so it wasn't a morbid thought. It was it was like it's it's a way of coming home, you know. Yeah. Um, and I, I'm glad you picked up on that and didn't see the morbid side of it, or are you curious about it at least? It's not, you know, um, 
I'm not. Uh, I'm in great health. I'm, uh, I'm, you know, like everything's going. Look at, look at Gary. He's giving me this huge. Uh, he's he's starting me. He gave me a contract for another book. <laughs> that, that's the, the visual crime thing, you know. Yeah. Uh, uh, you know, and he and he's he's doing a, a book of my sketches of the of the saxophone players oh, from wow. the seventies. Yeah, I just got an email from a guy who's who's a saxophone guy. He's a friend of his. Um, Michael Hamshish, something like that, who uh, plays in New York and has his own band and plays the saxophone. And he's from upstate, strangely enough. I just got a letter from him saying, you know, he's going to write something about it and uh, my stuff. And, you know, it's just, I mean, he's just like, like Gary's just been great. I mean, I, I was kind of standoffish with Gary because I didn't, I don't know. We had a little thing there at one point. Um, oh yeah, the interview he did with me, yeah, um, which was for the Jack Survives book. Uh, he um, his his battery ran down, and he didn't know it. And he did that in you know 2010 or something. You know, it was a wonderful interview as well, and um, I enjoyed it. Like this one, I'm enjoying this a lot. Um, he. Uh, he didn't get in touch with me for a year. I didn't know a thing. And I, I thought, Jesus, the book has come out or was out. And I said, uh, I, I emailed him. And I said, Gary, what's, you know, what's going on? You didn't, didn't say, you didn't respond to it. You didn't, I don't see it published anywhere. Cause you know, it was when, when comics journal was, uh, you know, all printed, you know, not just online. And, um, he, uh, he got in touch with me. He said that he, he, he just felt kind of foolish. His battery had run down and this and that. And he lost this part. And the last part was like, you know. So apparently he had people put together what they thought I said at the end, you know, which is pretty crazy because it's, it's another version of me, which I don't. I, I, I actually, I thought it was pretty funny. Uh, you know, like I would never say some of the things. I mean, I would I would say he kept it right. I mean, the, the parts where the battery was working well, I mean, that's me. I could hear my own voice, you know. But yeah. at the end, there was like, you know, like over, over, over talk, whatever it was, he, they, they figured out, he, I, they thought I said um, nothing wrong. I mean, you know. And so when I finally looked at it online, the strangest thing happened. I waited, you know, I, I saw it was online because I got the Google alert and I, I went online. It was like long for one thing. And one of the people that responded to it and wrote it was my ex-girlfriend that I lived in that loft with and painted with for five years. And she made comments about, oh, yes, you remember this, remember that. And it was just nice. It was just it was her voice for sure. And, you know, yeah. she's been married and had a kid, at least one kid that I know of. And she lives somewhere upstate here now. But she was from, you know, living with me in New York, and uh, and she's an artist. And um, I, had to, I had to tell Gary that and stuff. And so we got together again. And, uh, then I decided, because I was so isolated here, none of the art things were working here. And I just got in touch with Gary. I said, uh, I had this thing, you know, that I started, and what do you think? And I started sending him stuff. And, you know, he just took it and ran. Yeah. And... I just—he's been wonderful, and 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 did he give you a copy of the book, or do you have uh, PDFs like you said you're doing? I got a, I got a PDF of the book. Yeah. Uh, so I well, don't the know book the... is book is beautiful. 
I mean, I was afraid it was going to be sort of like the, um, you know, the the, the, the flatter. Well, he, we talked about what kind of paper I wanted, and and you know his 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 people are amazing. You know, Paul and and Sean um, working his designer as well as his 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 production guy. They just did amazing things. Yeah, and he, I had three papers. The paper for the cover is slick. It's glossy. It's perfect. You know, um, the paper for the uh, end pages is is matte. You know, like like most of the of the comic pages are. Meaning uh, other other books, that you, like uh, Kramer Zergot, that, those things. Yeah. Um, and then the paper for the inside, which he asked me if I wanted, you know, what kind of paper I wanted. I said, and he gave me examples, and I said, uh, he said coated. I said, yeah. I like that. And I do. I mean, I, but I wasn't aware of what was going to happen. Cause the last thing I saw was Kramer Zergot. Cause I was in that, you yeah. know, they sent me Kramer Zergot, which worked beautifully with, with the comic things, but you know, with color and stuff, I mean, it still worked, but it was flat meaning it's cause it was absorbed into the paper more, mm-hmm. you know, because it works so great with black, but it didn't work for my, for my purposes. Uh, it didn't work that yeah. great for the color. And he, he just went with it. And I swear, he's, he's, and I loved Alvin's book on Jack's advice. He matched it. Wow. At least. I think he yeah. did. I told him that too, and I was so glad I could tell him that. Because he was going to comics, uh, Comic-Con. I wanted to tell him how, because he sent a pre-publication copy to me. And I, I was dreading opening it up. And, oh, no, it's going to be. And it was beautiful. That's great. The size he, is good. He, I saw him a couple of weeks ago. I went down to Fanographics for a yard sale they were having, and Gary showed up on his way into the office, and just talking to him about the projects he has coming up and the cartoonists he's publishing and stuff. He really seems in a state where he wants to like capture folks um, and really and like collect these works that need collecting and publishing them. Yeah. Um, and really passionate about what he's doing right now, and, and that's oh, what yeah. we have to see. Oh yeah, definitely. No, no, he's uh, he sent me photographs his son had taken of him holding the book. <clears throat> I hadn't seen a book yet, <clears throat> and he was holding the book, so I'm seeing the cover and the size and everything. He looks like he's 42. He's 62. He looks like he <clears throat> he looked great. Yeah, you know, I remember him from the old days back. We're talking like 1970s, um, going to like uh, the New York uh, Phil Suling things they used to have a thing called second sunday where they every second sunday in the month they'd have comic people uh, sellers they didn't have like comic con you know lectures and things but then he would also have the fourth of july thing and that was really big in new york if you're talking 1972 i'm not no, i'm talking 72 um no right 72 right 72 yeah. 73 um and I, I, I would see him as a seller and he would tell me things, you know, he'd say, oh, you should buy, you should check this out, you know. And it'd be like a really, you know, very specific, uh, unthought of area, you know. And he yeah. was, he was uh, I, I remind him of that, you know, because in, in the New Yorker Hotel, I don't know if I've ever been in New York for any of the Fourth of July things, but there was just one guy that, that would put these together and it would, you know, be some banquet not a big banquet room but some room in the you know 
and be all this comic nerds, you know, wandering around. It was straight comics. It wasn't any, well, there's some posters and things, but, you know, mostly it was uh, comics. It wasn't the comic con with movies and everything else going on. Yeah. But, you know. That's, he's a lifer. That's... Yeah. No, he was, he was probably in his early 20s then. Well, of course, yeah. it's 40 years ago, so it's even more. Um, and he was living, I think, in Washington, D.C., and he lived in Connecticut for a while, and so he, he wasn't a West Coaster to start with, so I'm glad he's doing so well. <clears throat> yeah, no, it's a really it's a really good team. Even the the RJ that I guess did assistance with him on the book, he's super passionate and about comics, yeah. and about the work that he does, and he's just the keenest guy. And it's he's very refreshing in his like passion and love where you know I'm beaten down and jaded about everything and he's just like he just loves comics so much yeah yeah well he knows everybody there too I mean that, meaning uh, you know like you're talking about Arcade you know our Crumb and people like that and he's doing yeah. you know uh, Dan Close and yeah I would ju- I just mean the uh, the young the assistant on the book RJ I don't know if you interacted with him at all i never did I, no no i never okay. did I, I just saw his name in the index i said oh my god there's somebody else here you know because i was <laughs> yeah, doing no. I, I was doing mostly with paul you know because there's so many things that were uh I, you know specific to what i wanted you know like turning that page sideways with the cat at the top of the stairs and then mom and yeah. dad i mean I, I really wanted that so the stairs look longer you know as, i mean it would have worked fine in the page without that happening but that that took some didn't you know no one argued with me i, mean, I can remember art spiegelman years ago saying there should never be that kind of thing happening you, you know where because people don't want to do that then they don't want to go back to the you know to turn the book and not to go back you know which i understand I've, i felt that same way looking at my own book oh no yeah. there's that page again you know but still i'm, I'm glad i did it and I, and I did it in the jack survives book too um uh had to have a page a couple pages like that you know and so yeah. there was things I had to say, and um, you know, and, and I was working on the um, on New York bag thing to, with a cat at the end uh, because I wanted some kind of beginning for the next thing I was going to do, and I, I ended up realizing I can't do New York painted in those colors. You know, it looks like Times Square. You know, I can't do my New York. You know, which was like dark industrial. Um, so. I realized I got to do it in in that kind of heavy brush, uh, non-shadow, but heavy flat brush uh, uh, cross-hatching stuff with the bag the only thing in color. Because mm-hmm. I started doing color, and it looked like, whoa, that's so fake. That's not New York, not, at least not mm-hmm. that area. You know, So I, I felt good that I, that I learned that, you know. Um, still, still capable of learning something that's useful, you know. Yeah. for my work you, you, there there's no repeating for you no well there, there's there's no you have control rep- when you when you're working from your head you have control of a lot of things that um that allow you to explore in some ways and i'm i'm that nature i'm of that nature anyway like in music uh i i ended up liking you know, the the latest kind of jazz at that time, I was because New York had listened to WKCR, which was a Columbia 
university uh, station, which would have like really far out jazz stuff on. And I would be like totally, not totally against it, but like, I'm not going to get near this stuff. And I end up finding out that I really loved it eventually. Um, I'm glad that uh, I, I had trouble liking Mozart at first. And then when I finally got it, I felt relieved that I was capable of, of loving that on purpose, not just because it was cool. You know, back then, you know, if you could quote Mozart or Beethoven, you, you were a serious music person. <laughs> and I yeah. didn't know if I liked that stuff that much. I mean, I liked it, but I, I, I didn't know if I could really listen to it uh, on purpose, you know. <laughs> it was accidentally drifting in my ear. Okay. So what happened was that uh, the same thing happened with the jazz. And I was so lucky to have lived there because now I got to listen to NPR jazz, you know, which is stuck in 1960, you know, uh, which is nice because there were great people. There was like, you know, Coleman Hawkins, even though they don't play him that much or Coltrane, they don't play them that much, but they're still great people. But I've been there and done that, you know, in a sense. And as if, as you can listen to old classical music and still get turned on, I can't listen to old jazz music and be turned on. I go, I go you know, like heard that so many times. It's still, it's beautiful. It's, it's a brilliant thing that Coltrane did, but I can't listen to it now. Yeah. And I'm, I'm, I just love my, that my mind can still do that, you know, and then find a new thing that was always there. In most cases, I just didn't know it uh, or, or I wasn't open to it, you know, that's great. I mean, brain is amazing for for discovery of that sort. That's why it's so tragic about your dad, you know. It's it's it is what it is. Yeah. It's a reminder of our kind of the preciousness of the brain and yeah. how it's uh, it's everything in that sense. It, it it really is in a in a way it controls so much and keeps us functioning in so many ways right um and i think it's a reminder for a lot of things yeah, um, yeah. well that's what you know this this whole idea of uh of randomness is is intriguing too you know like yeah the brain doesn't solve all things you know because randomness comes in and does things that are you know need to some well, I need some attention or, or left random, but not unobserved, you know? That's another reason why I like the bag idea. <clears throat> I get Jehovah's well, Witnesses all... coming to my house, you know, and they're giving me all these quotes from the Bible. I said, well, what about the religion of coincidence? <laughs> not that I'm an atheist, you know, or at least a... I, 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 yeah, I love these guys that come here because they, they believe in spirituality, and I believe in it too, 100%. I think spirituality is amazing. I think that's one of the the true gifts of life is spirituality, yeah. meaning that there's something going on inside of us that's independent of of other things, you know. And I don't mean it's a brain thing. I think it's it's just a need thing. It's it's other things that that make us want to know why is that constellation called this? Why is that thing happening here? Like we're storytelling, pattern-seeking people. It's not my quote. It's somebody else's but i think it's really amazing storytelling yeah. pattern seeking people and i think that's that's the the best part of us well 
I'm glad that other people are doing the other important things anyway. <laughs> I'm glad I'm not driving their bus, right? You know what I mean? Because, <laughs> you know, people are taking care of stuff that I cannot have to deal with that are really demanding. And I'm, it's, this is demanding for me. This is the most demand I put on myself because I look at myself from the perspective of what did you do last? Are you doing better than last? Are you doing equal to last? Are you doing worse than last? And I have or the example. Or just why aren't you doing it? Pardon? Or even just why aren't you doing it? Yeah, and and that that's, you know, that's when it's a profession, and you yeah. know, not a need. And mine, oh, I'm I'm sort of glorifying myself, but believe me, I believe in coincidence. I mean, I make decisions that are, well, they're made from information, of course, knowledge, and from experience, but some are like. Where the hell did that come from? And I can't say that it came from me as much as it came from the coincidence of this situation coming up. And I, my response to it was this, you know, kind of like throwaway thing. And then, boom, it became important to the picture or it became important to the whole story, you know. Uh, I'm not, you know, I'm, I'm believe me, I'm, I'm not uh, modest. This is not false modesty. This is important stuff to know. To allow it to happen, you know. Yeah. And um, I'm pleased that y- you respect it, and I'm pleased that uh, that Gary respects it, and and the people that benefit in some other way from it, which is so great. I mean, you do what you want to do, it, and then other people can write something nice about it or bad, but I haven't got many of those, and I'm I'm not looking for it, and. That's why I'm not on Facebook or any other social media. <laughs> I, I can see the torrent of that, you know. Uh, yeah. I'm sure I got potential trollers out there. Um, but I don't do any offends anybody, so what the hell? What are they going to say, you know? I think this is a good point for us to kind of conclude on. Okay. Um, it's like you're kind of birthing this book, you're putting it out in the world, and I think now it's... It's up for other folks to ingest it and right. get what they can right. from that. And I think I think it really partners well with 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 Jack survives. And oh, great! It's it's a flip of the coin in a way. Like they're they're a similar story in some aspects, but they're different parts of you. Yeah, and I guess that's going right back to the beginning, where you're talking about that masculine feminine right. side to to your approach. Right. In a way. That's the important one. Uh, plus the fact that it was a way to close them, you know. I mean, my my family as a, as a source, even my house, and then see what's next. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, thank you so much for taking the time, Jerry. And oh, Robin, I, uh, really I enjoy it a lot. Up. Yeah, thank you. I mean, you know, it's been a pleasure. You know, like we're simpatico for sure. <laughs> um. It is it's it is like catching up with old friends. Every yeah. time I talk to you, it's just like you you kind of bring this like, all right, I'm ready for the next thing, um, because you really do have such a passion for what you're doing. Mm-hmm. <laughs>
Thank <laughs> you. 